My name is Jeremy Bakken. I'm the Director of Worship and Sacred Music at Northwestern Publishing House, and today I'm having a discussion with Pastor Jacob Benkin about his book, I Know That I Know. Jacob, thank you for taking time to speak with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's great to be with you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've served and uh, what you're doing right now, where you've been in the past. Okay, well, my pastoral experience is limited to one place. I graduated in 2012 from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, and from there I was assigned to Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Midland, Michigan, and I spent 10 years serving God's people there, wonderful group of people in Midland, and just this last fall I accepted a call to Martin Luther College, and I'm serving here as the Dean of Chapel and a professor of music. So. I've been here about six months now, and so just getting settled in. But that's that's the extent of my my pastoral experience. And the the dean of chapel position that's a new position, right? It is, and really, it's very exciting because it allows a, a staff member here on campus to be focused chiefly on worship. Martin Luther College has had a campus pastor in the past, and, and of course we're greatly blessed through that position. But the campus pastor position was spread over a number of different responsibilities, worship, but also counseling and teaching duties. The Dean of Chapel is special because it takes away all of those other pastoral responsibilities and allows me to focus exclusively on worship, which is really, really neat, and especially with the the chapel and all of the resources we have musically here on campus. It's just really a privilege to be able to serve in this way. Great. Now, we're not here to talk about a book about music, though. Uh, right. You wrote a book called I Know That I Know, The Certainty of Christian Faith. Um, what prompted you to, to write this book? This was something you did, obviously, before you came here to Martin Luther College. So what what what's the genesis of this book? Yeah, well, this uh, good question. This this book really was um, an idea that was pitched to me from Northwestern Publishing House. So I I can't take credit for the the idea, but the the whole idea behind this certainty series was to present Lutheran doctrine, especially to those who may not be familiar with it or have an extensive background in Lutheranism, but to present the key truths of God's Word um, and the key truths of Lutheranism to those who who might not know it and to use to use everyday language and to refrain from theological jargon and whatnot. And so this this book is one of a series in this certainty series and my specific assignment was to look at the whole notion of faith and talk about what is faith, which in, in our world and our cultural climate is certainly a word that means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And so that, that certainly influences how people outside Lutheranism think. But I think it can also affect how our own people think about faith because they're hearing all of these different things and they might hear that word faith and think, oh, that's, that's like what Christian faith is. And so, especially today, I think it's really valuable for 
Lutherans and those new to the faith really to step back and say, what, what is faith according to God's word? How does God's word speak about faith? Mm-hmm. And how is that different than the way the world uses that word faith? Mm-hmm. And um, this particular topic, you said it's part of a series. Were you given the choice of which thing you were going to write about, or was faith no, the I was, one that you really felt passionate about? No, or? this is. I was asked to write this one, and okay. some of the other topics look really fascinating too. So I'm actually personally excited for when when those are released because those will be good reading as well. Looking at the end of the world, I know was one, mm-hmm. and the sacraments. So really important things. But I was asked to write about faith, and so that was that was the focus of my work with this one. The book is uh, laid out in nine chapters. Um, is there a, a linear trajectory? Does it sort of build up to a, a high point, or is it more topical like faith, and you're looking at it from these different angles? How, how do you how do you get through the the topic? Yeah, that was something I I do think in a certain way there is a linear approach to it where it it does track a little bit with our our christian life thinking of thinking of our our life now and ultimately culminating in heaven and eternity so i think there is that that linear aspect to it but one of the ways i talked about it i believe in the preface was to think of it as a a multifaceted jewel that we begin with this idea that faith is God's gift to us. He he gives us the gift of faith. And as we look at faith, there are many different things to consider about that gift. And as we look at it in different ways, different ways that we can make some important applications to our Christian life, the way scripture talks about faith is something that's very important for Christians to consider. Because again, just to use the phrase, I think a lot of times people today will say, oh, you just got to have faith. Mm-hmm. And Okay, well, what does that mean, just to have faith? And when we talk about faith that way, most of the time, I think people can can think of that as a virtue within themselves, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. that I have faith and that that is some virtue that I have that then equips me for my life. So one of the first things we need to do is to take a step back and to say, okay, well, faith ultimately is a gift that God gives to us. He Mm -hmm. gives it to us through his gospel and word and sacrament. And Mm -hmm. so first and foremost, I can't think of faith simply as a personal virtue. It is something that God gives to me. And once we start with that basis, then there's other things we can say about faith and other other, uh, applications, different different people, different struggles in life, um, different different ways of looking at faith. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it kind of sounds like um, there's a, almost two audiences that, that, I mean, you kind of already said it, you know, people who are already Christian and then people who are outside. And it sounds like uh, an explanation of what faith really is, is important to both audiences. In other words, you sure. can't assume that uh, especially newer Christians have a have a full understanding of what faith really is, or they might be confused by this sure. virtue idea or something. And then, obviously, the outside world to the a non-believer or or someone super new to the faith, um, a, a misunderstanding about this is is where they're at in that spectrum. 
going to affect how a reader interacts with this book? Another way, maybe another way to ask that is, um, if if someone has a pretty good grasp on the faith um, and and the meaning of faith and how faith works, uh, will they still will will what they got out of this book be different from someone who's yeah that's misguided? A good, <laughs> that's a good question. I one of the most this this might not be directly answering your question, but I'll I'll just say this because. I will say that one of the most gratifying things about writing the book and the feedback that I've gotten is that here and there I've I've gotten letters or notes from from people who have read the book and I again maybe don't know the background of everybody but my sense is those are actually experienced Christians people who have known their savior for much of their lives and the gratifying thing is the appreciation of of again just how to look at and understand what faith is first and foremost mm -hmm. because i think even among confessional lutherans i think the the danger so often can be that we think okay jesus has done it all jesus has saved me but the one piece left in the puzzle is we have to believe and so faith can almost become, in some people's minds, this idea. It's this one work left that I need to do to finish mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. puzzle. Mm -hmm. And if people think of it that way, if people think of faith that way, that can, at least for the conscientious Christian, I think, can immediately cause a little bit of doubt and a little bit of uncertainty to say, well, mm -hmm. if faith is my part, how do I know if I have enough faith? How do I know that my faith is acceptable to God? And that's where it was very gratifying to hear from some maybe lifelong Christians to say, your book really helped me remember that it is not my faith as a work that saves me. Rather, faith is a gift that God gives me and it is through faith that God gives me the gift of salvation, which is already one, which is totally complete. Mm -hmm. So it's not faith as a virtue that saves. It is um, faith as a gift that God gives, and it's through that faith that the objective truth that God has saved us in Christ becomes mine personally. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I think that can be something that's valuable for experienced Christians. And and I would hope too that for for those maybe new to the faith to understand that again Christian faith is not exactly what we hear so often in our world about just what faith is. Again there's mm -hmm. there's a huge difference between the way the scriptures describe faith and how faith is understood by many people in our society, and probably, unfortunately, many, many Christians in our mm -hmm. world today too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we certainly uh, uh, distinguish ourselves as confessional Lutherans from other branches of Christianity on the decision theology, sure, uh, teaching. But I, I think you kind of started to talk about it already. One of the most intriguing chapters to me was, "I know that my faith struggles with doubts," and that question. Have I believed enough? Right. Is a is sort of a a real subtle uh, mm -hmm. twisting of that 
of that decision theology yeah. doctrine. It's, we know we didn't make the decision ourselves, mm -hmm. but now, now that we have it, are we doing it enough? Are we practicing it enough? That thought often is associated with with this idea of a weak faith or a failing faith, and mm -hmm. and um, uh, it sounds like you're tackling that that the, the, that chapter might actually really be for the seasoned Christian, maybe more than anything. Yeah, maybe. And I think one of the one of the really sad things that we see in our world today is the way that that some uh, church bodies and teachers will use faith almost as a cudgel. And you, you see that especially, I think, among those who fall into a theology of glory, mm -hmm. where people will be told, well, the reason that you're struggling or the reason that you're suffering or the reason that you're not materially successful, you know, the reason you don't have earthly riches, it's because you don't believe enough. Mm -hmm. If you just believed in God better, if you mm -hmm. just trusted in God more, then you would enjoy these blessings. But the reason that you don't is because your faith is somehow insufficient or your faith mm -hmm. is somehow weak. And that's really a, a terrible message. I mean, not only is it not biblical, but it, it can leave people in a world of hurt and doubt. And so this, this truth that uh, God's Word teaches us and, and Lutherans faithfully teach is this idea of the theology of the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, Luther talked this way that, that where does one's true aptitude for theology come from? And he talked about meditation and prayer, but this, this other was the, the idea of Anfechtung in German, this, this idea of, of struggle. Mm -hmm. And so when we experience these things, our conclusion ought not be, my goodness, how do I know if I'm really a believer? Maybe my faith isn't sufficient, but, but really just the opposite to recognize that it is through the, the fires of testing and trial in this fallen sinful world that our gracious Lord is really strengthening us and building us up. And we, we know his love for us even in the midst of those mm -hmm. troubles and trials. And our, our forefathers in the faith taught that and, and lived it themselves mm -hmm. and, and passed it on in their, in their hymns and in their writings. And again, I think something that is very important for us as Lutherans in the United States we, we just kind of live in this pool of this theology of glory and success. And if we just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, we'll, mm -hmm. we can do anything. It's the American dream, right? Right. <laughs> and that really doesn't fit very well with, with what God's Word tells us, that mm -hmm. we ought to expect trials and tribulations yeah. in this life. Again, one of the careful things to do is, I, I mean, I, what I don't want to do in the book and... And I and I hope I I didn't is we we don't want to present doubt as a virtue you know mm -hmm. we we finally um, a a faith that has that childlike trust is something we all strive for it's mm -hmm. it's not though as though I want to think of my doubts as a virtue no right my, my doubts that is a symptom of my mm -hmm. sinful nature in an mm -hmm. ideal world if I were sinless yes we we wouldn't want to doubt at all yeah but. But at the same time, those doubts shouldn't be, shouldn't be seen as evidence of um, a lack of salvation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, 
that's where we we just again we don't want to give people we don't want to give people this false sense that if I were a good enough Christian, then I wouldn't have doubts, and yeah. then then I would be, then I would be sure of my salvation. But as it is now, mm-hmm. I I can't be sure. Always trying to avoid, as Deutschlander says, both ditches. Yeah, right? exactly. We, mm-hmm. we and you've addressed more so in the chapter, I think, the despair side of it. We don't yeah. want people thinking, oh well, I must just not be that good. Maybe I don't have faith at all. But you've also pointed out the the righteousness ditch that well, it's a virtue to be doubtful. It's, there's always that that narrow Lutheran right. middle, as right. as he said. Um, so it's good that you uh, uh, went there in the book. I think for for readers, especially for maybe the more experienced Christians, as you said. Uh, and another place where that that uh, staying down the, the narrow middle comes in is is balancing law and gospel. Did you did you struggle with that at, at all as you wrote, or or was that something that you that you found? Uh, uh, challenging to to navigate through in the, with the oh issue of well, faith. I mean I think that's always that is always the struggle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean Luther Luther made that comment that the the one who can rightly divide law and gospel would be a true master of theology, a doctor of theology, and he would more than happily you know take off his doctor's cap and sit at that person's feet and learn, and Walther certainly echoed that too where he, he made the point that dividing law and gospel is something that only the Holy Spirit can teach. And, and the point with all of that is not to be able to say, okay, this passage or that passage is law and gospel. That's something that we can probably teach pretty well to mm-hmm. catechism students. The difficulty is with properly applying law and gospel to hearts. And that is the art that I think we all we all admit that we fall short of being perfect in and pastors strive to do and in pastoral ministry that's always the this thing we have to constantly wrestle with okay to this christian's heart in this circumstance is it important to provide law is it important to provide gospel and one of the areas and i i talk about it in the book kind of have two dueling chapters on it is even the whole matter of how we treat our faith as far as strengthening it and keeping it where on the one hand to those who are to those who are struggling with their faith to those who are are feeling feeling like they have fallen short well here is a perfect opportunity to apply gospel where Jesus himself promises us that that nothing will will be able to take you away from my hands, you know, that nothing can snatch you from my hands, that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. And that, that can be an important truth for us as we, as we struggle. But on the other hand, there are those warnings of Scripture, and, and I think probably we all need that encouragement from time to time, but that reminder that that doesn't mean that we can just neglect our faith and and act as though, well, God promises me that nothing can separate me from his love. So this means that how I live, how I interact with the means of grace in my life doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, as a, as a pastor, you probably run across that fairly often mm-hmm. in ministry too, where, where people can have this false sense that, okay, I have God's promises, so now whether I'm 
receiving the sacrament, whether I'm in God's house for worship. Uh, this is mm-hmm. this isn't so important. And now comes an opportunity to <laughs> preach the law. Mm-hmm. That okay, Paul says, if you think you are going to uh, easily stand firm, then just be very careful that you don't fall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we certainly find opportunities to address that too. Mm-hmm. So we need that we need that encouragement as as again we are at the same time sinners and saints mm-hmm. and so both of those both of those things law and gospel become just very important was there anything uh in the writing process that um that you learned or or a, a particularly as an author you know you you write a book and you want your audience to grow spiritually, in this case, grow in faith or, mm-hmm. or you know, the certainty of mm-hmm. the true Christian faith. What did it do for you as, as the author um, working through a manuscript? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I mean, in many ways, I suppose, um, and, and maybe, maybe everyone would, would agree that going through the writing process, actually, in many ways, I w- was probably more benefited and blessed than, than the readers are where you know you begin this process and and at least for me I began the process just thinking okay now I need to I need to start reading myself and so you're you're reading all of these different things you know you're reading dogmatics texts and you're reading um, well maybe maybe to start with I mean you're going back to scripture and you're mm-hmm. digging into these things for yourself and you do all of these things, and then and then you say, okay, now how can I, how can I put this in a way that's going to be beneficial and valuable for a reader? And you just go through that process, and you probably learn so much more than you knew before. And you, again, just having to wrestle with it and thinking about it for weeks and months at a time. How mm-hmm. how does this all organize? How does this all track? It was. I, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed the process of, of doing that. Yeah. It sounds a lot like sermon preparation in sure. some ways, but sure. it's a lot longer than a sermon, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not, a, you know, it's not the longest book in the world. Mm-hmm. So in, in some ways I almost did, I think, think of each chapter as a sermon almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was maybe... Both in both in the way I presented things, but also in the way that I prepared writing for it. I mean, that was that was kind of my approach. I didn't necessarily intend to when I started, but but I started each chapter with some kind of scriptural account, some mm-hmm. kind of narrative, and then went from there. So in some ways, I think I did probably think of it in in a sermon. Uh, preparation way Mm -hmm. and maybe that's just because that's what I know sure I mean I'm used to doing that week in and week out right okay well now I'm gonna write a book yeah I'll I'll come at it having read it though I would say uh and it's been a little while since I've read it but um I would say it's it doesn't come off like reading sermons so sure you know sure kudos to you there because it's a book it's not a sermon (laughs) right right but um yeah I was just uh, curious you know because it is a different style and it's it's a different it's a Getting back to the trajectory question, you know, you're you're trying to tie something together over a much longer uh, narrative than than what a sermon oh absolutely does. So, yeah. um, you've been in MLC for six months now. Um, we talked a little bit about the audience of um, 
an experienced Christian versus a new to the faith Christian versus a non-Christian. Um, mm -hmm. What about age? I mean, you're you were pastor for ten years in a congregation that I'm assuming spanned the entire lifespan. Sure. You had members that mm -hmm. were newborns. You had members mm -hmm. that were octogenarians or yeah. older. Now you're working primarily with with uh, college students. Um, and at this college, they might not have the same challenges of faith that they would at other colleges, but certainly at the college level is where a lot of faith challenges happen mm -hmm. for um, especially members of our church. Uh, how would this book relate to them, or what might they find in it that would help them um, both with their um, personal apologetic, a sort of, of, of affirming with the, for themselves from Scripture, where their faith is at, but also as they encounter and dialogue with people who, if they're not opposed to them, right to their face, they probably disagree with them silently and maybe in subtle ways and, you know. Yeah, oh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, on the one hand, MLC students are a unique population. Mm -hmm. These are young people preparing for ministry, and so they, they really live their faith every day and a very special group of young people. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I would I would say that people are people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we it's not as though it's not as though somehow there's there's an aura of holiness at MLC that doesn't exi mm -hmm. exist anywhere else. Um, our our young people no doubt have struggles too and I I think perhaps especially this generation and I'm by no means an expert on any of this, but but you just see what's happened in in these most recent years. I mean, of course, COVID, but mm -hmm. but just the advent of social media and all its iterations. And um, I mean, I think we, we all are seeing that that the young people, particularly now, do struggle with anxiety and uncertainty. And again, that's, that's not as though that's never happened before in the past. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. Young people, are, for all ages, you know, they're, they're trying to find who they are. They're, they're trying to build an identity beyond their growing up years, beyond their parents. Um, but that's, that's probably all accented a little bit now in our, in our current age, um, mm -hmm. that the young people are struggling with anxiety more and that, that some of these things, the isolation of COVID and the, the anxiety that social media produces, that, that young people are, are struggling with those things all, all the more. So I guess I never really wrote the book that, with the thought in mind that it will appeal to one age group over another. I mean, I think, again, people are people. Our mm -hmm. struggles are... Um, they take different shapes and, and maybe have different flavors at different stages of life, but, but essentially we're all the same. We all struggle with the mm -hmm. same things. Um, but, but I do hope, yeah, especially for young people, that first and foremost that we as Christians can find our identity in Christ. <laughs> that um, whether I am good at something or whether I'm struggling with something, whether... Um, everything seems to go my way or I can't catch a break that finally we know who we are in Christ and we know that we have value before God because he so loved us that he gave us his son mm -hmm. and if we know that if we can have confidence in that 
that that can give me confidence to face whatever the Lord puts in my path, whatever vocation he, he gives me the opportunity to do in life, whether it's what I planned on or whether it's something different, mm-hmm. that, that I know who I am in Christ. And so that's going to give me confidence for, for what lies ahead. So I, I imagine that's, that's certainly something that, that young people especially need, mm-hmm. but, but we all need too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When we when we talk about faith these days, you know, you, you talked earlier about um, the the very definitions of faith or what we mean by faith. Um, that's often a very here and now thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, if you just have faith, you'll get through this tough time, or if you just have faith, you'll um, you'll achieve this or that. And and even the the correct understanding of faith. Um, you're going through a difficult time, but God is with you, and He's He's going to work good from it. We've got a promise. But you you end up in the book at the most important place, which is the goal of faith, mm-hmm. and and that's not for this world, sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you bring that out in the book? How do you uh, is that what you want people to take away from the book? Maybe uh, that that um, just getting you through today isn't the point, maybe. Or maybe sure. I'm putting words yeah. in your mouth. No, no, ab- absolutely. Well, I mean, I was just thinking as, as, you, were, as you were describing that. I mean, w- one thing that I, I didn't do in the book but, but was always kind of behind what I'm, what I'm thinking, and, and again, the reason I didn't do it was because one of the instructions I had was, well, don't use theological jargon. Don't, don't get into uh, theological definitions. But the, the way that that the Christian church has has taught faith for centuries now is is thinking of it kind of in this in this threefold way that faith is knowledge that we that we know something we know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done but but knowledge isn't all of faith um, scripture also makes that clear yeah good the 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 demons believe in Jesus in that sense they know who Jesus is but they shudder so knowledge isn't everything of faith it's part of it then then from there the the fathers talk about how faith is not only knowledge but it's also trust that I not only know this but I believe it and then they talked about the the third aspect of faith is this this assent that I believe not only in general but I believe that it's true for me that I don't just believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but I can look at my sins as horrible as they are and as ashamed of those things as I am and know that Christ's blood cleansed me. That, that, that is a part of faith too. So there's the, there's the knowledge, there's the trust, and there's this idea of assent. And like I say, I never spelled it out just that clearly, um, but I, I hope that kind of showed in the book that that's all that's all there. Now, to your question, um, that I think is a, is a good backdrop to say that finally, even in heaven, we, we still will have this gift of faith. Not in the sense anymore that Hebrews 11 talks about it, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's, that's an aspect of faith that is true now, that we we have God's promises. Some of them are fulfilled. 
uh, everything that Christ has done. Those, those promises are fulfilled. We can look back on them and rejoice that God has done that. But we still wait for the fulfillment of some of those things, for Christ to come again and judge the living and the dead. We, we still look forward to the, the mm-hmm. eternity of heaven. So in, in that sense here on earth, we, we still have that, that trust in what God has yet to do. But in heaven, that will all be fulfilled. And that doesn't mean that our, our trust in God is gone. Uh, we'll, we'll still have faith in that sense. It's just that it will be fulfilled. And so um, we can think of this gift of God that he's given us, not just in terms of, okay, I just I have to hold on while I'm in this world until I get to heaven and then I can put faith behind me. Um, no, when we get to heaven, that, like like Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, then I shall see fully, then mm-hmm. I will know fully. So um, it, it's like, uh, you know, just, just thinking about uh, finally the, the scales falling from our eyes or something like that, that mm-hmm. um, at last everything will make sense. At last we'll be able to see mm-hmm. what we believed and trusted in all along, but we, we simply couldn't. We couldn't understand fully. We couldn't see mm-hmm. fully. And there's just so many aspects of life where where that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we we know and we believe that God promises that He works all things for our good in Christ. And um, but there are probably always times in life where we we don't quite see how that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. what what was your purpose here, Lord? What was your purpose here? And we we wish we knew. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, one day that won't be that conflict within us anymore. Sure. That we will, um, we will be before God and, and all of those things just um, won't be a problem anymore because mm-hmm. our faith will be fulfilled. It will be perfect. Sure. It almost seems like um, maybe the trajectory of your book is Hebrews 12, the author, sure. gift, mm-hmm. and perfecter yeah. in yeah. heaven one day. Uh, it all comes together. Absolutely. And, yeah, and you have right. everything. And, mm-hmm. and the stuff in the middle is the things we're dealing with right now, uncertainty, doubts. Um, and those are all functions of the fact of that sinner-saint mm-hmm. uh, yeah. duality. Um, getting back to the the theological jargon, right? The mm-hmm. the knowledge, the belief, and the assent. Would you say your book is is primarily about the third one? Uh, when you said that to me, what what came to my mind was, I know that I know there's two eyes in the title. I, that personal assent, this is all not just true, it's true for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I I uh I hope that that title maybe just reinforces again, maybe maybe it's to the subtitle that Christian faith is never uncertain. And it's never uncertain because it is the gift of God, because the content of faith is the author and perfecter of faith. Mm -hmm. Because, again, my faith ultimately is never my human work. If it it were my human work, now I have to worry all the time. (laughs) And really, Mm -hmm. let's be frank, it's never going to be perfect. But if I remember, like you said, from all along that Christ is the one doing this, that's why we can have this absolute mm-hmm. certainty. Mm-hmm. And 
again, so often, I know I'm repeating myself with this, but so often in this world, people treat faith as though it's my contribution to the equation of mm -hmm. salvation, that all you got to do is believe. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, properly understood, okay, that, that isn't a terrible statement. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, he, um, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, mm -hmm. right. But we can't think of we can't think of believing as our contribution. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and again, I think Walther uses this example once or twice in his distinction of law and gospel, but he makes the point, you know, if somebody invites you over to a, a sumptuous feast and, he's, and that person inviting you says, oh, sit down and enjoy, do I now say to myself, oh, because I sat down, now I did my part? I mean, we would never think this way. Mm -hmm. This was a gracious invitation. It was a gift from start to finish. I can't take credit for sitting down at the invitation. Mm -hmm. um, again, jargon that I didn't use, but, but mm -hmm. useful, I think, is the Lutheran confessions often talk about faith as the, the organon lapticon or the, the receiving instrument. We can, we can almost think of it as the empty hand. Mm -hmm where God places the gift of salvation in that hand. Mm -hmm. The hand doesn't do anything. The hand doesn't get any credit. Is the hand necessary? Well, of course it is, mm -hmm. but it's the receiving instrument. Mm -hmm. And um, th again, that's, that's where the certainty of faith comes in, mm -hmm. that it's God's gift, it's God's work. Yeah, a pastor once said to me, a Wells pastor once said, don't have faith in faith have faith in God. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And and that might be a real real concise and simplified exactly. summary of, yeah. of, of what the book is about, so. Yeah, great way to say it. Are there any concluding thoughts, any anything you want to share, a message to readers, or or um, if, if someone's like, well, I'm not sure if this book is for me, the one thing you hope that they would get out of it, or that the, the one thing that would trip them to say, yeah, I really do want to read this. Well, you know, again, I, what I, I guess I would say is we probably in our lives all have moments where we struggle in our faith. And th those will be different for each of us. You know, God gives us different gifts. God gives us different crosses. And so um, we, we all face different things. Not only that, but Something that I, I do try to bring out a little bit in the book is to recognize that that faith, also properly understood, that faith is a certain spiritual fruit that God gives to us as Christians. And what I mean by that is that all Christians have faith because that's the gift of the Holy Spirit whereby we believe. But some Christians are given special gifts of faith in the sense that one Christian can face a cross and and carry that cross, and God knows that the next person can't handle that. He tells us, you know, I'm, I give each one what they can bear. Mm -hmm. You know, I would often think of, personally, I think of, of Abraham. God tests Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Here's a test that I would have failed. Mm -hmm. I don't have faith like Abraham, but God knew Abraham's faith, and he gives him a test that that he can handle. Mm -hmm. So again, we all bear different things. We all have different gifts. We have different measures of the, of the ability of our faith to stand up and, and to trust. Mm -hmm. And so 
again, where I think the encouragement of the book then is, is to say, what does this mean for all of us? And it's to point us back to Christ again and again. I mean, that's, that's the beginning and the end. That's mm-hmm. the answer all along is that Christ is really at the center. Mm-hmm. And so the, the book, um, it's just another opportunity to remember that, mm-hmm. that, you know, in all that we do as Christians, it's just keeping our eyes focused on Christ and what he has done. And that's a reminder that uh, is good whether you're facing something challenging or not. Right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, sometimes I think uh, we look at a book and we say, what am I, a book like this, a, a, a Christian book, a spiritual book, a, a book that's going it, to, it's an aid. That's what yeah, we look at. Like, yeah. well, am I having a faith crisis or issue yeah. right now? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I guess I don't need, not necessarily. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's good to, mm-hmm. this is why we nurture yeah. our faith, whether yeah. we're at a high or a low. You don't yeah. know when the highs or yeah. lows going to come to some extent. Right. You know? and, and, and something that, that I, I mean, I've experienced myself and probably others have too is, it's actually when things are going pretty well in life, those are actually some of the most dangerous spiritual times because mm-hmm. that's the time when I can start saying to myself, yeah, I got this figured out and doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm forgetting my daily need for mm-hmm. God and his grace. Mm-hmm. And so it's often during those times, I think that we can be lulled into a spiritual apathy sure. and we need we need to keep Christ which is at the another center. facet you you address. One of the chapters mm-hmm. is on the need for nourishment. Sure, for the faith. Sure, right, so. right. But yeah, I do think that that it's often during those quote unquote good times that Satan can be busiest in our lives, mm-hmm. and you know it, it does remind us of the the blessing of the cross that God gives us the cross for a reason because mm-hmm. it, it forces us to go back to him and his strength mm-hmm. and reminds us that, you know, not because of our power, not because of our greatness, but but God's power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully writing the book was not a cross for you. <laughs> no. We're, we're very appreciative that uh, the series is uh, underway and yeah. that your, your uh, topic, The Certainty of Faith, I Know That I Know. The book is available from nph.net. And um, thanks, Jacob, Thank you. for yeah. having this conversation. And we hope that, as we do with all of our resources, that, um, that they will benefit believers and unbelievers alike, whoever may come across the text, and that they'll be pointed to Christ, as you said. Yeah, so. thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and blessings on your work. Thank you.